drive-by cinema. Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun. Hello, hello and welcome. It's episode 52 of Drive-By Cinema. That means, Paul, my long-standing co-host, that it has been one year of recording and publishing Drive-By Cinema. Actually, slightly longer than that. Just ever so slightly over one year, in in a way that doesn't really divisible into one year, in a strange way. I don't know how that happened. But yes, it's our 52nd week, and therefore our anniversary of DBC. We did miss a week in January, but we did two one week when we did a bonus episode. And of course, as we have often said, the first episode covered like seven films. So we've been doing it for seven weeks already. So it's well over a year of lockdown. It is. This this podcast represents. But we're out of lockdown now, are we not? We are. It's also a hundred days. Sorry. It's also a hundred weeks. If No. Sorry. Let me <laughs> let me try that again. It's also one zero zero <laughs> a hundred. It's it's a hundred. No, <laughs> it's seven point two two months. Right. If a week. If no, I, I was trying to say if what, it was a if metric it, year. If it was in the base seven point two two, then it would be written one zero zero and not fifty two. I see. I see. Makes sense. If that makes sense. It would be. It does absolutely. One zero zero weeks. No, I've got that wrong. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it would be. It would be if no, if a week was still seven days, but we're in base yeah. seven point two two, then it yeah. would be one zero zero days. Auspicious. Oh, sorry, one zero zero weeks. I've confused. It's myself. all numerology, Paul. What does it matter? What do these numbers mean? Can you have decimal bases? Oh God! I mean, I think you almost certainly can. Wow! I would guess. I don't know. Google. Can you have decimal bases? Is that, are you asking my Google assistant? Yeah. Oh, you wasn't switched on. She can't. She can't hear you because you're in my ears. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't think she'll answer anyway. Hey Google, can you have decimal bases? On the website Cora.com, they say. That is a fascinating question, and the answer is yes. Wow. You can write numbers in any base as long as the base is greater than one. But whole number bases are easier to work with. They are. No shit. Decimal bases are harder to calculate. (laughs) Yes. People also sometimes ask me, what do you call decimals in other bases? Do you want to hear the answer? Yes. Yeah. On the website stackexchange.com, they say... Recall that decimal is an abbreviation for the correct term, which is decimal fraction. Ah. The base 2 analog is called a dyadic rational, but could be called a dyadic fraction. Wow, that is fascinating. Dyadic fraction. Mm. We learn something new every day. Paul, mm. when lockdown started over a year ago, a lot of people were talking about the idea that... I'm sorry, can I just interrupt? I mean, we've got a sober tone here. Is this an anniversary or is this a commemoration? <laughs> sad kind of... Low tone that we have this evening. Maybe because it's late at night. Sorry, sorry. When lockdown started a year ago, late many people night. had. I interrupted you. 
they had this idea that we couldn't lock down too early because people would suffer lockdown fatigue. Yes. Yeah, in fact, it was all part of VR and the the recurrent resurgent R, wasn't it, when people started to ignore any any kind you of know. rules. It was, what was it? Lockdown fatigue? Was, was that a term? We haven't heard of it ever since, have we? Well, this is it. I don't think lockdown fatigue really happened last year. I think it happened now. I think people have just come into lockdown fatigue. Now, no one cares. Everyone is... Like, even before lockdown yeah. happened, people were going to Euros and going back to pubs and bars and going to nightclubs. I think people are sick and tired. I don't. I think they're done with it now. Yeah, definitely. No, I mean, no, no. a year ago or more, when we started lockdown, you were telling stories about how when you got the shopping, you were wiping it all down with antiseptic wipes. Well, <laughs> leaving it in the hallway for... That's for a while. That's because we didn't know that it was aerosol at the time. We thought it might be fomite transmission, didn't we? Or we even thought it might be fecal transmission. We didn't particularly know at the time, did we, the nature of the transition, transmission of the virus? I don't think, even if that wasn't true, I don't think anyone would still be wiping their shopping bags. Oh, no. I mean, I stopped doing that a long time ago. Exactly. People have given up now. And it's a good job we've got a vaccine because people would have given up, I think. Well, I mean, 200 people, people are still dying every day. I mean, this is the point. I think you're right. This illustrates that, you know, the death toll is 200 a day and, and we're not newer to it, but it doesn't impact upon our lives, does it? I mean, this is a somber tone. Well done, Paul. <laughs> Bringing us into the morbid realization of our own mortality. So we're kind of okay with it, aren't we now? <laughs> it's not going to impact how we behave. Although I did have a friend and I said, let's go meet up for beers in Doncaster of all places because that's where he lives or nearby. And he said, well, yeah, but I wouldn't want to bring any bugs, i.e. from you, to my parents who I'm going to visit in Scotland later. So some people, I think a very small minority is still very wary about about those kind of things. But as we know, it's not fomite now. It's, or it's principally not foam at the transition, you know, meeting me in a pub and then going to see his parents three days later. It's very unlikely that, you know, the little the little mischievous coronaviruses would still be leaping around off his T-shirt onto his mother and father, you know. But still, it has impacted some people, I think, to the extent that they haven't been able to rationalise their approaches to, to dealing with it in a way that they can continue in order in life. But I think they're definitely a minority. Right. There's a real lesson here, though, which is that people find it very difficult to keep up these regimes continuously. Imagine if Elon Musk has got people to Mars and they have a daily routine of putting a spacesuit on, you know, and being yeah. very careful. Yeah. And they have to be really careful about what pipes they unplug in what order so they don't lose all their oxygen or kill all their potatoes that they're growing it's going to go wrong, isn't it? it I mean, after do, a few yeah. months of yeah. doing that, people are going to get slapdash and, and they're going to screw it up. And weirdly, I, mean, I think we looked at maybe six or seven essentially diarist approaches to exploring outer space. I think we picked those at the beginning of our lockdown choice of movies. Uh, I think this had some sort of psychological re- resonance for us. But in none of those really do the people go completely spannered. There is one where, where it turns out that the doctor looking after them all is actually a, a, a serial killer. I don't know the name of that movie, but... 
That was high life, wasn't it? The Canadian life, yeah. space prison. But they were prisoners. They were supposed to be yes. know, broken. But apart from that, there was nothing in any of those. The Martian, or uh, remind me of some of the other ones, Moon, Moon. Uh, the Wandering Earth. There was nothing really about human fallibility uh, when facing uh, an unrelenting regimen, was there? It's just, you know, people do get blasé about things, don't they? Like, driving, you know, is potentially a very dangerous thing, but people very quickly... You know, when, you, when you're learning to drive, <laughs> when you're learning to drive, you're very frightened about, you know, crashing and dying and stuff, aren't you? And people are very... Um, what's the word? Uh, anxious about roundabouts and stuff and difficult junctions. Or, then, or people are very anxious about not reaching down, letting go of the wheel to get, well, this is back in the days of cassette players and reaching in the, in, 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 in the, in the, <laughs> the foot in the footwell and the passenger side to get that cassette, to put it into the, into the cassette deck and, oh my gosh, I'm on the other side of the road and, oh, I've just missed a lorry kind of thing. And, but it happens once and after that, you're not really too concerned about it, are you? You know, if you escape. This is it. I mean, nowadays people are using their phones, they're texting, they're putting their makeup on, they're eating a sandwich, you know. So all of that mortal fear is completely gone. And it would be the same yeah. if you were a Martian and it's the same when you're dealing with a pandemic. It doesn't take long, does it? Now, do you know that Elon Musk is actually now living in a small prefab kind of uh, factory build bungalow of the, you know, of the uh, one size fits all 50 square meters. This is the future of humanity kind of thing. With grimes. But he just, do you know where he's put it? He's put it inside his his Tesla factory. He he lives, he sold all his big mansions and lives in this little 50 meter square thing but in the middle of his factory which I, I kind of think is a bit of a cop out yeah. he should be doing a cop out in what way well I mean he should be, he should be in South Central or you know or, or a hill in Ghana or, or, or that kind of thing I mean, <laughs> doing his small living not What's inside one of the largest most advanced automated factories known to man I mean but what is he trying to achieve or prove with this this living situation I, I think he's trying to reset our ideas of what riches are in you know in the coming informational age. Right. Yes. So it doesn't matter where you are or but, how you're living. But the riches are no longer riches that we enjoy are no longer tangible and concrete, are they? True. Yeah. I guess I, that's if true. If you think about it, in fifty square meters you could have all the comforts of a seventeenth century French mansion, couldn't you? I don't know about all the comforts, but many well, of the comforts. Minus the sheep, you know, and and, and and the maids and that kind of thing. You can have a chaise long, can't you? Everyone can have a chaise long now. That's where we've come. But no, I mean we can have years. I mean we can have those those gaming have you seen the gaming seats that will elongate so you can sleep on them and you can get you know they have uh, air conditioning on the hood kind of thing and massage aspects to them and that kind of thing. So yeah, I mean the bed, the chaise long, the office chair can all be combined into a little one or two square meter leathered luxury sitting pouch, can't it? It's just like a Japanese thing for a small apartment or a gamer, a streaming gamer thing like the guy in Hashtag Alive. Should say though, we should explain this episode is going to be yes. a review of the last year of movie watching. Yes, a troll, a troll through the. the the joys of the, of the sea world that is contemporary sci-fi 
and horror moviedom. Yeah. Now, uh, we did call for guests for this, but it didn't really work, did it? Nobody really seemed that enthusiastic. Well, one, because I'm crap, and two, I made you do all the, the donkey work on that, so apologies. Well, it's very difficult to schedule, isn't it? Because we kind of, mm. we're like flies in a cathedral. We just get together when we both feel like it, and then we record at the drop of a hat. So it's difficult to plan with other people involved, as we've discovered. But uh, I know that... People are going, what? Wow, it's not scripted? <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> do you know what I yeah. actually thought that it was a bank holiday yesterday oh that would have been lovely wouldn't it but it was actually a bank holiday only in Scotland that's but the opposite know, of those dreams where you go to sleep and you wake up and you think oh god it's school time it's school time it's school time and it's not it's Saturday you're it's the opposite because, Richard you, you, you know, when it's you bank look holiday it's your... bank holiday it's bank holiday oh fuck it's not it's another day at work <laughs> yeah, when you look at your Outlook calendar, it just says, it marks it as a holiday. Because it doesn't know I'm not in Scotland or Scottish or whatever. Well, uh, And I just assumed. Well, I mean, if you operate in three time zones, Outlook calendars and, and their announcements of holidays and, and special days is just... It's annoying, you know. It's meaningless. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, I discovered to my horror that it wasn't a bank holiday, so here we are. And that's a very weak way of explaining why we can't schedule the podcast recordings properly. So, Richard, I mean, in terms of your lockdown experience, before we get on to the movies, did you incorporate anything in the movies into your life by chance or or in parallel? I mean, because I grew plants, which we looked at in The Martian. Did you did you delve into a world that you wouldn't previously have inhabited to such an extent? No, I, I was more like the guy in Hashtag Alive. You know, I was... Doing online gaming ah. and stuff, wasn't it? That's it's how I... more than you what would normally do. Yes. Ah. Oh yeah. Much more. Much more. And my, and my life is transferred online very heavily. My social life. And, and would it stay there? Do you think? Well, it's difficult to shake it off at the moment. Actually, sure. it is difficult. But it's it's I a feel flat... like a house cat. Well, it's a flat pack world. It's a flat pack little one bedroom apartment that's actually better. Than the old social life, isn't it? You know, it's like you—you've Elon Musk your social life. You, I have. Oh you, well, my entire life it. is Elon Musk. You've hacked yeah. it. You've disrupted it, and it's come out being smaller but better in a sense of way. Do you know Elon Musk is obviously a bit crazy? Clearly, I like that about him, though. <laughs> Hyperloop is never going to work. That's crackers. <laughs> well, let's go through his projects. Hyperloop, okay, crackers. What about the trip to Mars? Well, look, I think it. He has said that most that, people will die if they go, hasn't he? Yeah, okay, fair enough. And that's sensible. It's possible. We know that it's possible if you get enough energy together that you'll be able to send people off to another planet where they will die, either very quickly or over the course of several months until they forget to you know, put their spacesuit on and open the window, as we've discussed. What is he going to actually achieve with that trip to Mars? I suppose it's yeah. a great achievement. It is a great achievement to step foot on another planet, truly, for the first time. But, hmm. He's just going to make a mess, isn't he? He's going to damage the sterility of the scientific, you know, bubble of Mars as, you know, a hunt for for life, isn't it? Because the, the astronauts are going to arrive with a bunch of bacteria and stuff, aren't they? True, yeah. 
But right if, we're, if we're going to have to choose, choose one of three billionaires to, to lead our space missions instead of NASA, I think I would still go for Elon Musk over Richard Branson and, uh, and uh, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, well, I mean, Richard Branson is not... I mean, he's not doing space, is he? He's just doing very high yeah. plane flights. <laughs> What's the end goal there? I don't get it. I don't get it. I suppose uh, there, there is an idea that the commercialization of space will make space exploration and space travel much more commonplace. Yeah, so I was just thinking about the the, the relatively recent increasing levels of vilification of Elon Musk. I'm not saying it's unwarranted, you know. I like most American businessmen, he doesn't encourage union unionization or maybe forbids it in his factories, I'm not sure, which is fairly reprehensible. And you know, there are stories of of of, of, of uh people in his factories collapsing out of exhaustion and that kind of stuff when when he dictates and when he dictates the over the overtime sections. But I mean I can't really, you know, compared to other uh, American billionaires, I can't necessarily find fault with him in comparison. I don't think he compares negatively to them in any particular way. No, he's certainly higher profile, though, isn't he? So he invites the criticism of himself Mm. if he kept himself to himself. And the adulation. I mean, he has lots of fans. The thing is, yeah, he has some rabid fans, yeah, yeah, and that, that's a worry in itself, isn't it? The thing is, all that sort of micromanagey stuff that goes on. I mean, what, why does he care in that detail about you know his workforce? It's not, it, you know, his successes like Tesla haven't come mm. about because he, he forces whip, people to work yeah, really long he hours. Crack the whip, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it came about because it's a great idea, good innovation. PayPal and too, a, yeah. I mean, PayPal came about yeah. because it's a really, really good idea. It's a good idea, yeah, yeah. Um, and Hyperloop is going to fail not because of the staff or people working on it. It's going to fail because it's a shit idea, a, a dangerous idea. <laughs> Paul, have you been watching any of the Olympics, by the way? Because we're in the middle of, a again, another sporting extravaganza, which is, in some sense, a miracle it's happening. Uh, no. No. No, I no. Have you? Not interesting to you? I mean, this this is sports corner of the podcast as usual, isn't it? I mean, you are the one playing tennis and uh, and going running and cycling. I would roller skating now. You said that the Tour de France is your your real is my summer go to. Yeah, well, Wimbledon and Tour de France. Yeah, Yeah. and you're roller skating now as well. I don't I don't really do FIFA and I don't really do the Olympics. There we go. Well, I've been watching. I'll tell you what I've been watching the Olympics. You've been watching the, the skate- women's beach volleyball, at least I know. No, no, the skateboarding. Oh. Skateboarding is cool, man. And the BMX. But I'm kind of annoyed about this because exports had all this in a much better way. Exports was just the greatest, you know, alternative sport Olympics. Right. And I, I, I think incorporating these sports into 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 the Olympics has kind of stolen stolen exports flame. Oh right, so respect. you liked the sports when they were cool, but now everyone is watching. No, it's not that. You know, in terms of like American football, I always love it when there's an upstart league. In fact, Donald Trump started one of the upstart leagues in 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 the late seventies, I think, for American football, and they're always doomed to failure because the NFL is just so 
just so ridiculously powerful in terms of American sport politics. But uh, I love it when that happens. And hmm. so, yeah. X Games, sorry, not X Sports. Yeah. But so X Games not happening anymore. Is that? It, it seems to have dropped off the radar, yeah. But I, I did watch some of the skateboarding as it happens. I yeah, was. it was great. It was brilliant. And all those skateboarders, they're like, like 14 or something. Yeah, yeah. And there's another skateboard event. That was, the one that's happened already was Street, I think. And there's one called Park or something, Skate Park, I don't know. And we've got a British competitor. I think she's called Sky that's Brown. That's right, yeah. And she's like 12. Imagine being 12 and being at the Olympics for your sport. Where do you, where do you go from there? What, what do you do next? Crack. You go to Mars, probably, don't you? <laughs> that's, what, that's what you have to happen. <laughs> okay, before we get to the movies, I've got one or two things to say from uh, weeks ago. Hashtag oh. alive. Korean language. I said that there wasn't much difference in Korean dialects, and that's largely true. Uh-huh. Uh, there appear to be some small differences in how uh, vowel sounds are enunciated, but uh, you could—I think—you could train yourself if you were North Korean to 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 make those changes pretty quickly. Uh, uh-huh. And the same week we just made that podcast, I was reading a, uh, an article from North Korea. Uh, the North Korean press agency released saying that our language is superior to the Southern Korean language, <laughs> and uh, any young people in North Korea trying to emulate Southern Korean barbarisms, i.e., slang, will face the death penalty. So it was just. It was coincident with what we were, when we were talking about it, strangely. Well, that's like the way Dick B. Jones has just criticised Alex Scott. Oh, yes, how strange. Dropping a G's. Mm. Uh, I mean, as if his received pronunciation isn't every bit as made up uh, and, you know, superficial as as the way, as any accent is. I mean, it's just, they're all ways of speaking. There's no, it's not, there's no original best way of speaking English. What's twat? <laughs> Did you see her comeback though? When she, I mean, she's fired back. I on haven't Twitter. been following it closely. No. But when she uh, came on TV to do the next sort of program she was presenting, she kicked off with a whole string of gerunds, you know, swimming and rowing and shooting <laughs> and fighting. <laughs> Good honour. Well, you see, the point is, received pronunciation uh, has dropped the G sound to actually a nasalized ng sound. So uh, this is how you tell the difference between a northerner and a southerner when they've both adopted sort of standard metropolitan English, is that southerners will say singing and northerners will say singing. Oh, even, really? if even if they're trying to speak correctly, yeah. yeah. Singing. 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 Uh, singing. Uh, is the main difference uh, between G's and whatnot. So in terms of pronouncing G's, I mean, received pronunciation dropped that G a long time ago to a nasalized sort of ng sound anyway. So now it's just turned to an ordinary N. I mean, it's just a, an accretive process of, of simplification, isn't it, to be expected. Meanwhile, the Tories have decided that teaching Latin in state schools is worth mm. bugging a few million quid at. Well, I, I welcome the decision myself. But really? You think that's a... Yeah, I, I think given that English, is inc- particularly scientific English and medical English, incorporates so much Latin and Greek uh, in, in, into, into its taxonomy, I, I, I don't know 
how you can't say it's it's a severe impediment to not have looked at those languages with some sort of formal inquiry for a couple of years at least. Well, yeah, but there's a obvious problem, isn't there? Which is there's not enough Latin teachers to make the slightest impression on the state <laughs> school sector in terms of giving Latin to state school kids. It's it's pure um, gesture politics, uh, especially the derisory sum that they're offering. I mean, it's, it's going to make no difference whatsoever. And also the fact that Latin Latin is a really tough language, uh, and uh, it generally seems to be good for the brain if you can decline that stuff and and uh, and do that do that nonsense with the verbs and the nouns, uh, conjugate and decline, uh, or declense. I'm not sure what the verb is for declensions. Uh, it's like music, isn't it? It's like it's, it's 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 seen as being good for the brain kind of thing, and so I welcome that. But yeah, however, but if it that's if it the did kind return, of bullshit that public schools, private schools perpetuate about learning Latin, I, I don't believe it. Look, no, I'm not asking you to. But what I'm saying is <laughs> that uh, I'm just saying it's seen as being good for the brain. I don't it's think it's seen that way. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can understand that. But no one's going to want. If you asked me to study Latin at school, I would, I, I would have thought it was a terrible torture because it's a language you can't speak to anybody, practically speaking, and it's as you say, it's going to be extremely technical and tedious to learn. I it is very it. technical and tedious to learn in, in in the traditional way that seems being good for you. But the point is, GCSE Latin doesn't teach that way anymore. There's very little uh, English to Latin translation required. So it's all the other way around, uh, which is infinitely easier and doesn't ask the student to do those uh, abstract manipulations, those gymnastic moves that would normally require to do a translation. So. Oh, well, it seems like you're all on board then. No, because I don't think, you know, in terms of what is, what is touted as being beneficial is, you know, the complex and abstract manipulations you have to perform in order to take English into Latin none of that will be required from the students anyway. So I don't see how, if even if it is beneficial, none of, none of the medicine will be included in the potion anyway. So Anyway, sorry, uh, I interrupted Where the hell you. are we? Yeah, well, let's get started. Uh, oh, yeah, well, that was it, the Korean language. That was it, blah, 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 blah. Well, Pete, speaking of the previous episodes, Pete pulled us up on my rant about oh. coffee, didn't he? You see that on Discord? He did. He did, yeah. yeah. He was uh, extolling the virtues of a device called the AeroPress. Which, which seems he... to be a portable coffee filter. Yeah, uh, and he recommends it. But really, this is the entire point that I'm making. You shouldn't have to have a friend tell you about a specific you know, weird device with a special name and a patent in order to drink coffee, should you? Yeah. Tea, all you need is a mug and a tea bag and a kettle and you you're there with coffee someone's got to tell you that you need an aeropress and give you an amazon link so you can go and buy it and figure out that oh yeah it's slightly better than just putting instant coffee in a cup that's the whole problem with coffee look okay richard how should we approach this i i, I guess the intro music has come and gone a long time ago like a comet in the sky and and shall we break this down into different kind of genres that we embraced and and as we step through this year of lockdown, oh yeah, well we started with sci-fi, didn't we? For the first yes, half that was that America. was the beginning of our takeoff trajectory was was sci-fi and quite hard sci-fi. And we shifted into horror. We did, 
But the thing is, actually, there's a big overlap between sci-fi and horror, really, isn't there? I mean, the some of the situations you wind up in in sci-fi are really kinds of horror, aren't well, they? fantastical. Annihilation, where <laughs> the early movie we watched about an alien sort of entity arriving on Earth. Yeah. That was a horror, really, wasn't it? They get attacked by all those mutated creatures and then she has to fight a clone of herself and her boyfriend's been cloned. Stuff like it that. is. And then we had Arrival, which was a softer version of that, I think. A terrible version of that, yeah, which we didn't like. Um, Giant space coffee presses for huge... <laughs> Giant presses, yeah. Octopi, which is incorrect. Octopuses. Octopodes. Yes, because it's Greek, so it's it's a Latin import of a Greek word, so it should, it should actually be octopodes or octopodes. Oh, here, here we fucking go. They're hey, no, no, I, I'm the, on the your story side. education. <laughs> no, wait a minute. I went. To, I went to, it, and I just guessed it anyway. You're well, absolutely hey. right. You know, you're absolutely right. Well done, octopodes. But octopuses is what we'd say these days. Descriptive grammar, we'd say it's if we're using it in a formal register, a scientific register. What do most scientists say? They say octopuses. You know, uh, they just use the English plural. The but English wait, plural. what would Digby Jones say? He would say octopi. I don't and he'd be wrong. Care poking the fucking. And he'd be wrong because it's grammatically incorrect because it's not a Latin word. Anyway, so I was I was going to Master Sparks and I was, I wanted a German wine because I was thinking why are there no German wines anymore? They're, blue they're num. Just... You want a bit of blue num? You see, there you go. Liebfrau okay. You're not you're not being fair to German wines. Okay. <laughs> Ice wines are exquisite. Okay, German ice wines are exquisite. German wines are, if you pay the right money, are, are really, really good. And I went to the Master Sparks and I said to her, I said, look, I'd seen her stacking shelves before. She's like the manager who looks after the wines at the same time. Kind of thing. In, Sommelier. In moments. <laughs> yes. I said, look, there's no German wine. She said, yes. Yes, there is. There's one. It's our, you know, best, our top 10 wines of the summer kind of thing. I said, well, where is it? She said, well, here it is. Oh, I said, oh, it's a Riesling. She said, I, I said, oh, it's a Riesling. She said, yes, it's a Riesling. <laughs> and she corrected me. And this point is, at what point do we say, stop saying Madrid and say Madrid or whatever? You know? <laughs> what point do we stop saying Barcelona and say Barcelona? Which is wrong because in Catalon- Catalonia, they say Bar- Barcelona anyway. Uh, and at what point do we stop saying Riesling uh, and start saying Riesling? Because if you think about it, if you're going to correct me on the vowel sound, why not correct me on the R sound also? Why not Riesling? Why, why, is, why is Riesling okay and why not Riesling? Why are the vowels important and not the consonants if you're going to ask for it, you know, a real German pronunciation? It makes no sense, does it? <laughs> I can see you've, you've rehearsed this, this comeback for a long time. <laughs> well, oh, I'm just, I'm just going, going to the shop to buy some champagne. Oh, when you're there... <laughs> When you're there, get a bottle of claret as well, if you can. <laughs> we say claret and we say champagne. And uh-huh. True. my argument is we should say Riesling. Yeah. I'm just yeah. going to tea. I'm going to tea a knot in my tea. Does it make sense, Richard? No. I'm tying a knot in my tie. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to eat a pea. No, I'm going to eat a pie. You don't give a dog a bon. You give a dog a bone. Exactly. Which is why it's scone, not scone. Stop this nonsense. <laughs> and that's why the cream goes on first. Ah. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like butter, isn't it? You put butter on and then jam. So you of put course. cream on and then jam. I'm not sure that makes me a Devonian or a Corninian. 
because they're doing different down there. (laughs) We have diverted from our cause. Look, a lockdown trajectory, we took off with with some sci-fi and we took a brief detour or maybe, you know, part of the the takeoff trajectory was AI focused, wasn't it? So There had to be a lot of AI because there weren't a lot of people were there in most of the sci-fi that we watched? What no, we learned no. about the future is there aren't very many people in it. Either most of the people have died or are a long way away. Either way. And contrary to my advice, they haven't embraced uh, AR and VR as a forms of travel. No, they, they're they, doing a lot of travel. Manually. They go there in metal boxes, yeah. 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 So of those, which was your favourite, Richard? Can I just give you a few to sort of uh, to, to wet your... Your, your memory appetite. Passengers, Snowpiercer, Winding Earth, Wandering Earth, sorry, Moon, uh, something I can't read, Martian, and uh, Europa Report. And High Life. Yes. High Life is certainly not one of my favourites, although Alistair seems to think very highly of it. Oh, Beyond also. Beyond was laughable almost, wasn't it? It was really difficult, Beyond. Yeah. And don't forget the... Um, the multi-pack episode one, Sputnik also kind of, but that was that was as we moved into horror, wasn't it? Really, we had the Martian, Europa Report, Arrival, Annihilation, Automata, and Ex Machina all on episode one. Wow! Uh, my favourite—you're not going to be surprised to learn—is probably Tenet, which I went to see in the cinema. It's a time travel science fiction, I think. I think it's science fiction, but it's really also a heist movie has the concept of a temporal pincer where the plan is enacted in both directions of time at the same time. And I thought it was amazing. Yeah, okay. So it was technically very accomplished, wasn't it? It's a mind-blowing movie, but you've got to watch it more than once. And you think that's a terrible sort of... I think you think that's a terrible thing for a movie. I'm not so sure that that's true. I, I enjoy a film that I can get something out of on a second viewing. Did you have a revision planner when you were a student, Richard? <laughs> no, no. No, well, there we go. Like, I, mean, I think I've made my point. <laughs> it's, not something we, it's not something we want to do, is it? You know, is plan our revision when we study. We want to get the study over with as quickly as possible. <laughs> <laughs> we're not talking about study though it's enjoyable watching it from the off oh you thought that movie was just really easy to access to a general audience for a general audience <laughs> I, I don't know about a general no audience no study required I don't know about a general audience but I liked it I can't you know I can't enjoy things for somebody else can I what about if I put you in a room with deafening disconcerting Mind-bending sounds, as the army have done, you know, and watch you pretend that you enjoy that, Richard. I'm not here to defend Tenet from you. Uh, well, maybe I am actually. Possibly that is what, what I'm doing here. But let me ask what you enjoyed then in that first side. No, no, I, I, I did enjoy Tenet. I have to say, I did enjoy it. However, I just thought it was a little too difficult and a little too concentrated. You know, we needed a bit more water with the Robinson squash. Uh, and for those reasons, I think it would have worked better as a TV series, you know, over 12 episodes. I'd love a Tenet TV series, no question. But no doubt that he pulled it off, and no doubt it was technically very accomplished. I mean, it did it did pull me along. However, 
I just felt like I was dragging my feet. I wanted to go back and say, wait, 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 wait. I didn't want to move at the speed he was moving through the movie. Mm. Yeah, sure. But there's, there's a fun to that, being dragged along. Oh, yeah. Strap me on your motorbike and <laughs> drag me down the street. You know, lacerations appear all over my body. <laughs> so, anyway, so in your, in your lockdown, you've embraced VR. Is that right, Richard? Yeah, I have a VR headset. And, and what's your favourite game? Well, Half-Life Alex is the gamiest of games. But you do think it's spacey at the moment? I, I am also playing a bit of Pulsar, but it's not it's not an A you know, a triple A title. It's a bit of an indie game, but it's very good. Is it modded? It is not modded. It's not modded. So you I'm sure we've talked about this before, Paul, but you seem to think asking, is it modded, is how you get in with the gaming kids, is it? (laughs) Is it not? Probably it is, probably it is. A lot of gamers seem to enjoy modding and the modding community, which I think, you know... You think it detracts from the game itself? Yeah, I do, because all you're doing is you're... Balkanizing, you're splitting down your gaming audience into yeah. smaller and smaller little territories of people who like this mod and that mod, and that's not helpful if you're talking about a multiplayer game. I see. You're yeah. just going to wind up with fewer and fewer people playing a larger and larger number of different versions of the same game. That's, you know, poison to a game, unless it's so big. There are so many players it can sustain that. But there are very few games that really achieve that. Okay. I mean, look, mods in gaming have brought about a lot of great things. You know, uh, Counter-Strike itself was a mod of Half-Life, I think, ultimately. Wow. Yeah, I mean, some mods do take off and become their own thing. Well, have you ever ever played Minecraft? With kids, briefly, yeah. With kids, what do you mean? Yeah, as well, an educational tool. No, uncling, you know, oh, friends, kids. Right. So how did you, how did you play Minecraft with them? What was competitively like a shootout kind of thing? And I didn't really understand what was going on. As a shootout with, with them. I, I don't know some sort of competitive game. Minecraft. I didn't. I didn't understand what was going on. <laughs> Are you sure we're talking about Minecraft here? Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of gave up after the ten minutes, so I've got no idea. But I briefly played Minecraft and had no idea what was going on. Okay, okay. Paul, what was your favourite sci-fi movie? Okay, so of, of that brief selection, I have to say Martian and Io. In terms of heading out into space with little hope of getting there or getting back, <laughs> I thought Martian and Io may be the best, yeah. Io's the one where she's stuck on Earth. We don't get to yes, see Yes, I know, yeah. I liked it because it was just so up its own ass. I didn't really enjoy it for genuine reasons, but it was still... The afterglow <laughs> was quite enjoyable. Yeah. And I, d- I really also enjoyed Annihilation and Ex Machina, the AI movie. Ah, now then, Ex Machina kind of things. Can I give you a short list here? Okay, okay. we had Ex, yeah. Mata- Ex Machina. Uh, we had Automata or Automata. Automata. Yeah. I Am Mother. Yes. Mute. Yes. Tau. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Those kind of things. Uh, of oh. them all, I enjoyed Automata, most of all. We're talking about the best sex bot here, are we? Is that is that where we're at? Was it Antonio Banderas? 
he I was in was. Automata, yes. Yeah, That's right. I really enjoyed his prolonged stumble into the desert, into the you know, into the radiated desert, and uh, yeah, I just enjoyed all kinds of things about that movie. What do you enjoy about Ex Machina so much? I enjoyed the AI in a box idea, the exploration of the the philosophy of an AI that cannot be contained. That no matter how clever you think you are, a, an AI which is as smarter as, as a human. Yeah, it was fairly terrifying, wasn't it? What was the parallel movie where we watched where he kidnapped a young lady from a bar? That was Tao, wasn't that it? That was Tao. A yeah. mute involved kidnapping students of some, some sort. Well, I Mute think. was more kind of a detective gangster film, wasn't it? Where they were yeah. looking for a, a woman. And yeah. So yeah, with Ex Machina, it was it was the idea, this you know, the terrifying idea that you know AI will, I guess, before singularity, I guess, become overwhelmingly and powerfully intelligent. Oh, intelligent, yeah. I mean, it did yeah. have the best sex box in 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 that film. From, from but I was mind. looking at some sort of Ocado sort of promotion promotional video or news piece, uh, and they call it the Hive. And, and their robots are, are, are in the rafters kind of thing. Yes. I've and seen the Ocado hive. Wow, yes. They, they dip down deep into layers of product and, and whip past each other with two millimeter clearances. And what she was saying, the Ocado later that you know, developed, is responsible for developing it, is that the hive, although they're individual robots, this is a weird thing. They have one brain. They, they have one brain. They have brains themselves, but they also have one brain. So we, we can view the hive as a single robot. Yes. And that also conveys that terrifying idea that, wow, their intelligence will grow in a, in a way that's different to ours, in that it's connected and, you know, it's it's a hive. So. Well, also, yeah, I mean, it, that's a great example, isn't it? That, that none of these films really portrayed, maybe a little bit Automata. Automata gets closest, doesn't it? But, you know, you're not necessarily going to be seeing human humanoid robots that's the whole thing about that Ocado warehouse. I think it I am Mother, Mother touches on it, doesn't it? Because, you know, the voice, we assume, is one robot, but then she's uh, yes, she's, yeah. she's everywhere, isn't she? Yeah. In the, she is the system kind of thing. But in Automata, so, the robot that they end up building is that really weird, you know, like um, beetle Cockroach. Like, yeah. yeah. It's not a humanoid robot. Mad Max mechanized beetle, you yeah. know. And yeah, for those who haven't seen it, the Ocado documentary is, it's like a massive like warehouse or hangar with a grid. And these robots run along the grid, you know. On the suspended ceiling. There's yeah, hundreds yeah. of them. And they go just, and they zip past within, you know, millimetres of one another. Two millimetre clearance, apparently. Amazing. It is a truly amazing thing. And yeah, you could, that's like, you know, a single hand with hundreds of fingers in a way, isn't it? Dipping into the bags and... Yeah. Pulling produce out, and, yeah. It, I, I had no idea places like that existed in this country. Well, I mean, a car. I mean, the thing about cars is their runway is really slow. They haven't. I mean, lockdown would have been the perfect moment yeah. for them to to triple their customer base. And you know, they, they've been denying me as a customer because they focused obviously on on people in need. And well done to them. Over the beginning of lockdown, it was impossible to get an Ocado delivery, even though I had been a previous Ocado customer. And now it's back to normal. You know, you, you can get an Ocado delivery. Is this, but is this you they, airing your grievance, Paul? No. What I'm saying is they haven't grown. I mean, if they'd grown, uh, you know, at, at a exponential rate, then they would have been able to include me back into my deliveries earlier than than it, than, than it has been the case, which has been a whole year 
on a bit waiting to get Okada deliveries back on. So what I'm saying is their growth is quite slow. But then when you see what they're doing, it is kind of light years ahead of Amazon in a certain sort of way. Would you agree? I guess the only thing is we don't know how much human intervention is required to help, you know, fill the bags or do whatever the robots can't do, do we? Very little, very little. The the robots decide what objects can go together. You know, not just, you know, the freezer stuff and the fridge stuff being packed together, but they look at the shape and the size of objects and how hard and how, how, how brittle they are and decide which bags they're going to go in. And they work all that out. It's it's really incredible. Wow. Wow, yeah. Is that why you I mean, want to shop at Ocado? Because you want the robots Well, to no, pack. I've always been interested in picking, picking packing technology because one of my first jobs was like uh, Express Gifts. <laughs> at the time, they, they moved from being, they, they were made, back in the days of mail order and case catalogs kind of thing. They were pretty, pretty much focused on the Christmas market, you know, Christmas cards, kind of uh, gadget, the kind of stuff you used to get in the gadget leaflets that came with the mail on Sunday kind of thing, do you know what I mean? Oh, but they God. did all that kind of... The innovations catalog. Yeah. In, innovations catalog kind of presents kind of thing. And uh, you'd, you'd, Bags of sweets and all that kind of stuff. The whole Christmas thing. Uh, and back then, was it 92, 93, 94? I mean, what they did wasn't so far away from Amazon. What they do now. I mean, the picking packing, the picking packing was fairly automated and the, the boxes were going to each bay and, and, and then the barcodes on the boxes would tell the packers what to put in there kind of thing. It, it just needed some Q, Q, QC at the end of the line to make sure that the right things had gone in. And uh, it was all there, really. I, I, I don't know why Amazon stole stole the show in terms of when the ordering was able to be taken away from a telephone or, or, or you know, uh, or traditional mail order. Why Amazon stole the show compared to other companies because a lot of people were doing quite similar things. People seem to forget that Amazon started out selling books, only books. Yes, that's right, yeah. yeah. It's astonishing, really, isn't it? Paul, we turned to horror halfway through, although, as I say, sci-fi is yes. quite horror-y, but you'd had enough of sci-fi. You didn't want any more... Um, you didn't want any more claustrophobic two-people-in-a-box-with-a-robot kind of movie. Going to, I think I said going that to a too, black yeah. hole or something. Yeah. So we started doing uh, creepy horror movies. Starting Can I with... say, be- before that, we kind of went on a psychological vibe. Benny loves killing. Nothing really happens. Coherence. And something I can't quite read. Well, there was also Alice, the... Alistair 1918 kind of thing, which was kind of weird. Oh, and The Vast of Night, which is still sci-fi, but weird. So kind of... Weirdy, arty kind of movies. I think that might have been reflective of my low point during lockdown. I'm not sure about that. The choices there. We've reached breaking point. Mm. And our first proper horror movie there was Midsummer. Ari Aster's yes. crazy yes. Swedish homage, if almost to um, the Wicker Man in a way, isn't it? Apparently, it comes with a health warning now. Recently, people have been watching it and been unable to sleep for weeks afterwards. <laughs> Well, the it's bit where they disturbing. jump off that cliff is, I think, one of the most disturbing things you'll see in a horror movie. I would guess. Yeah, because you think you know horror, horror has been done to death, uh, and you think 
Is there anything that could shock anymore in terms of gore, in terms of splat? And but that did, you know, it was uh, yeah. it was pretty shocking, wasn't it? Indeed, yeah. So yeah, that was a good start, and then we kind of went all over the horror, the horrorverse. Uh, Get Out was one of my favourites. Get Out, along with Us, both by Jordan Peele, two excellent horror movies, actually. The, actually us, I think, was my favourite of all the horrors. Which one? Get Out? No, Us, actually. Us. Uh, because, yeah, it just hits all those Stranger Thing kind of uh, zeitgeist stuff and did it really well and, and, and was scary at the same time. I know this was my suggestion and I pushed for this, but I really have a soft spot for Climax. Gaspar Noe's drug dance horror. Oh, yes, that was highly memorable. Yeah, yeah. So you tend to go for the really disturbing stuff, Richard, don't you? <laughs> the mind fucks. <laughs> well, we had but the... I tell you, the but Get we, Out was also a bit of a mind fuck, wasn't it? Absolutely. And it led me yeah. to look, it led me to look, you know, the history of black slavery in... In the in the US in particular, and the origin of the origin of the popularity of the phrase "motherfucker." Now, of course, people have been calling each other motherfuckers for a long time, but with respect to to slaves in the US, it was particularly pertinent because do you know when people say, "Oh, I'd shag her" or "I'd shag him" if he put a paper bag over his head? I mean, there were breeding farms after the abolition of import, not the abolition of slavery, but after the banning of imports Imports, of slaves. Yeah. Yeah, they had to breed slaves, so they would take. As, who, who they judge to be, you know, the stud male, and, and breed him uh, with all kinds of females, and because some of them would probably be his mother or his siblings, uh, they would put paper bags over all the participants, you know, and 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 so that's where the phrase motherfucker comes from. Uh, it's just really so much disturbing stuff, and, and the fact that you know uh, the the slave owners would choose often. One of the, you know, the physically strongest males, uh, coming to like, you know, the, the decontaminations are like the Jamaica was often a, a starting point for the, the, the journey of slaves into America. And at that point, you know, in front of all of the people that come off a ship, that man would be richly humiliated by being, you know, gang raped by the slave owner and his, his family and, and, and whatnot. Uh, and uh, so that in America, in Jamaican culture, is the reason why Batty Boy is still such a you know a slur, such an is- yeah. a slur and an issue is, is you know because of that historical memory. So reading all this sort of stuff really puts that film into a historical context. Uh, I thought I found quite illuminating. You know this idea of they're, they're taking people to breed and and and. and you know, to take over their bodies, kind of thing. Uh, I mean, that's what the cotton plantations were: is the will of white people uh, exercised through the sweat of black people, wasn't it? It almost was like you know, a melding, a melding of a white mind and a black body. The whole thing. So, so yeah. So, so actually, quite sober thoughts in the end about Get Out, but in and of itself, a, a really, really good horror movie. Well, it's it's expressing that thing that you're describing there, isn't it? Which is. You know, for all the body horror, the real horror is, you know, the owning or the the enslavement of someone's mind is more chilling in a sense, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Well, this is just the goal—the goal to think to do that to yeah. other people. You know? Yeah. But well, you mentioned Benny loves killing. Of course, Jolien's friend actually made that movie. 
Yeah. I was on a, a Zoom, a Discord call with him just the other day, actually. No way. I know. Jacob's Jacob's friend, surely. Jacob's friend, yeah. Does, did I say Jacob's friend? Yeah. I don't think so, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, wow. And did he give any insights about the movie, or was it just a random... Yeah, no, we didn't, didn't discuss that. I wasn't sure that he knew that we'd critiqued his movie. But I guess, I guess, <laughs> I guess Jacob must have told him. Because I don't know whether you know, um, you've not looked at the stats recently, but uh, since we did Hashtag Alive, the Korean movie, we've had some Korean listeners. We haven't. Yeah, and who would be doing that if it wasn't someone involved in the production, hey? I ask you. Wow. Because if you had made a movie and you saw people doing a podcast about it, I'm sure... You might you might give it a listen, might you? So if you're listening again this week, welcome to Drive By Cinema. I hope you're happy that we enjoyed your film. Please listen on. <laughs> so I mean, generally, it seems like we've had quite a good time watching these movies. Generally, yes. I mean, there've been some difficult movies, haven't there? There've been some howlers, you know. Yeah. Uh, which movies would you single out? <laughs> As being a howler? Yeah. Well, I think you mentioned Beyond already. The original Beyond, not the Italian the Beyond. Not the Italian, no. And then, of course, we went to Italian... There's a special name for this kind of Italian horror. Spaghetti horror, which I hope you can remind me of. Giallo, is it? Giallo, yes. We went there, and I have to say Suspiria was a fairly terrible movie. I don't know if you agree about that. Well, it's always age, isn't it? Yeah. I can understand why it's a cult classic, but it didn't really float my boat. Except except in the sense that it does look like a a sort of Italian lesbian porno movie, doesn't it? For much but didn't we also, on the back of that, go to South Carolina for a 1980-ish horror that involved... Really slow tarantulas <laughs> yeah. that, look, that look like a children's sort of. Uh, well, that mid-day. was the Beyond, wasn't it? Oh, that was the Beyond. That was the Beyond. Yeah. That was that was well. So the, both Beyonds, I think, were fairly terrible. Yeah. Oh yes, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Yes, they were. The Phoenix incident was pretty bad. Oh yes, the Phoenix incident was fairly terrible, as was the Yellow Brick Road. Yes. Now they're both low budget. Sort of indie movies, aren't they? I've got a particular hatred for The Conjuring uh, <laughs> because it's just exactly the kind of crappy haunted house based on a true story nonsense that you know. I I think needs to end. Really, would you ban these things, Richard? I wouldn't ban them. I just don't think people should be going. Let's to Let's assume you're armchair dictator of the world for one day. Would you ban them? <laughs> You're allowed to ban things. I don't think it would scenario. be. On, it wouldn't be on my first page of things to ban. Would you not? No. Why? I'd have to, you know, be quite. A few you're allowed to have idiots. Well, you know, for one day, you're allowed to have idiosyncratic bannings and declarations. No, I, I don't. I really don't think banning is the way to go with this. You know, just people should be aware that there are better things out there, right? Like, don't base your horror movie on the crappy memoirs of a couple of deluded. You know, paranormal investigators. So yeah, I mean, in terms of disappointments, I do. Do nineteen eighty four? It remains a disappointment. Oh, uh, I'm I'm kind of sad that we had tra- we trawled through that or dragged ourselves through it again. Really? I, I thought. Yeah. I thought you were fond of the David Lynch interpretation of Dune. I'm fond of the novels, but I don't remember the novels particularly well. 
As I'm finding out, it's that you know, I thought I remembered the Wizard of Earth scene, I didn't at all. And I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, but that's from 35 or 35 years ago. But I think Dune is only from 25 years ago. So the last time I read it, and I really don't remember that that, that well. All of which is a segue into the fact that June 2021 ah, is coming soon yes. to arrive for real. And we will definitely be able to see it as a theatrical release, which really, really rocks my nuts off. It razzes my berries. It does look good. It does look good. I got a soft spot for David Lynch's Dune, so I'm not sure how I'm going to take this one. And as I mentioned, I think the Dune story has got some problematic elements. So we'll see what happens. But it... Honestly, it looks good. Have you seen Have you seen the official trailer in the sandworm? Yeah, you know I don't like the worms. I think the worms are fucking nonsense, uh, and that, okay. that I don't think you can make those things look good. I think in the trailer they look about as crappy as. What I, about on the big screen? But, it might work. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Suspend your judgment until we see it. Yeah. I think the cast looks good. I like Dave Batista, who, of course, we saw in Army of the Dead. Yes. And his wrinkly head, his wrinkly scalp. He's going to be showing up in Dune. He's going to be a Harkonnen, isn't he? So, your side of the of the, the gene pool. <laughs> hey, no, right, okay. Well, uh, in reference to that, this is one thing I didn't ever get back to on Richard. Oh. I, I dug out... I dug out some... As I was moving house, I dug out some old, real photo albums. Yeah, and I have—I don't have many photos of myself, but for for some tragic reasons uh, involving other people. But I do still have before, after you know, my mother started to stop taking photos of me that went to the family album. You know, I've got copious photos of myself until the age of age of ugly, i.e., sixteen. Uh, but after that, there's not much of me that exists. Uh, but there, is, there are some of me sort of, you know, when you take passport photos and you get a set of eight or six, I usually get 16 for whatever reason. Then there's like 15 because I've only ever used one of them. So there's a whole slew of these passport photos of me at various <laughs> ages uh, applying for visas. And there's, there's lots of them, Richard. And I have to say, at no point really do I ever have red hair. <laughs> well, that so just, I think it's a false memory on your just part. just raises more questions. I will dig them out. Then it answers. I'll dig them out. I'll dig them out and you'll see that there is one where it's kind of got a red tint, but it's not. It's nowhere near ginger. Have you ever dyed your hair? Used any artificial colour? I have. I've dyed it ginger and I've dyed it blonde. Ah, well, there we go. That explains why I thought you were ginger. No, I did go ginger. I think at university for about a year or two, my hair suddenly went red. Yeah, you were you were redder at, at university. That's true. But it was only for a year or two, and then it darkened after that. It was presumably so, it was a chlorine in the pool, was it? Is that what's what's what was doing? No, I just think it's 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 hair colour changes, doesn't it? So yes, anyway, so you're saying my Harkonnen heritage. Yeah. Are, are you suggesting that I might be the real Paul here? Yeah. <laughs> Finally. Listen, so your favourite horror movie was Get Out. Or Us. Us, you said it was Us. Yeah. 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 I mean, I maybe I have a real soft spot for one that we watch called Pontypridd. Pontypool. Pontypool, sorry, not Pontypridd. But that's the second place. I also liked Us. I thought Us was excellent. Um, Pontypool is good. Uh, 
The other one I liked is Sinister. That was my suggestion again. A bit bit naughty of me to pick that one up, but that was the one with Ethan Hawke and the guy looking oh. at the old movies, the eight millimeter. Movies. No, that was genuinely scary. Yes, very scary. That was genuinely scary. Yeah. There we go. That's one year and lockdown kind of done. It is one year, and I, what surprises me is of the movies that we've chosen. None of them have Nine Inch Nails or Ministry on their soundtrack. <laughs> it's just, it's so strange. But It is strange to avoid Nine Inch Nails in a lot of these, actually. Or Ministry, really. Now, the next film that we'd chosen it was called Fermat's Room, Paul. Have you seen yeah. that? Well, it's unviewable on just unviewable, watch. So I had exactly. to go. Yeah. So I had to go to YouTube where it's there are about eighty different versions, full length versions of it. And I, I did get fifteen minutes in, and I did quite like it. The fifteen minutes that I watched, but I haven't gone much further than that. Well, okay. Well, it sounds like we're sticking with that then, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. All right. Fermat's room. It looks to be a think piece. I, I like it. I like it. Just one more movie I did really like: uh, Nicolas Cage. And in the forest, <laughs> color of out of space, color out of space. Yeah. No, the other one. Uh, oh, he's also in a forest ah, with his uh, artist Mandy, wife, Mandy. Mandy. Yeah, but that's the I lost did... episode. That's the secret lost episode of oh, Drive By Cinema. I did really like it in some respects, mostly because I thought it would have benefited from Ministry or something like that on the soundtrack. I tell you what, about the interesting thing about that film is he doesn't get the girl and kill the baddies, does he? It's not a um, classically Hollywood ending to it all, is it? No. no. Spoiler alert. It's it's Nicolas Cage's school of acting and Nicolas Cage uh, school of influence the script writing. So he's he's his schools are sort of uh, franchising out into different areas of Hollywood now. Are we uh, are we sticking with horror though? Uh, I don't know whether Fermat's room counts, but well, I think on our trajectory now, I think are we not landing down on Earth very soon? I mean, lockdown has ended. Yes, I think we therefore need to say not necessarily unprescribed choices or free choices uh, in our future movies, but some sort of return to Earth. And I don't know what that what that what that signifies in terms of. We can choices. certainly be less constrained, can't we? we? We don't have to wash our hands or wear masks. We can just go willy-nilly through the universe of movies. Why not? So, yeah. But I, I, I like the idea of Fermat's Room. Fermat's Room? All right. I've got no idea what it is, but what I've seen so far is, yes, I would like to continue watching movies in that vein. All right. Oh, cool. Cool. Well, that's it then, Paul, for... The first year of Drive-By Cinema. <laughs> How many uh, pandemics do you think we're due to have in our lifetime? I mean, do you think Mr. Corona is going to mutate into something more dangerous or not? I mean, the usual trajectory of viruses like this is they mutate into something less dangerous, isn't it? But... I don't know you can say that. I mean, do we have enough instances to make that determination? No, no, we don't. I mean, if they happen, we probably didn't record them anyway. You know. I mean, you know, what did the bubonic plague start as? Something exactly. I mean, the scribes in the monastery weren't exactly writing down details, were they? So. The idiots. They were. They weren't doing any lateral flow tests. That was their problem. They were busy putting lead on stained glass windows and 
drawing snails fighting knights in the margins. And those curly, colourful, whirly kind of first letters on the page, which are very ornate and beautiful, it has to be said. Illuminated capitals, isn't that, is that what they're called? Thank you, yeah, yes. Yeah, it's a lot of effort to go to, isn't it? Um, these days. Tempest fugit. Yeah. I bet, you know, on their deathbed they regretted that. There you they? go with your Latin it's again. Only... You're worse than Boris Johnson. <laughs> And on that bombshell, uh, we'll say goodbye to you until next week. Yes, fifty. Oh, what are we? Is are we starting a new number system or? Oh, season two. We could do season two. Yeah, season two, episode one. Yeah, you know? we can do that. I like that. Cool. Good. Okay. So join us next time next week for season two, episode one of Drive By Cinema DVC, where we will be looking. In curious detail, at Fermat's room. Is that right, Richard? That is correct. Until then. Mm. And see you in the next one. Bye. Thank you.